Hello there. We are ninja. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, an unlikely band of nerds united over their common love for the Star Wars Legion miniatures game. We Are Legion is a podcast dedicated to coverage of all aspects of the hobby, from competitive play and list building to painting, modelling and terrain building. And now, here are your hosts. And welcome back to We Are Legion, a Star Wars Legion podcast with a down under flavour. I am your host, CNE Exhaust Port Designer Fang, and with me in the studio today are... Support Officer Cooper and Intel Officer Luke. It's good to uh, have my co-host back. Um, how are we feeling, guys? First episode down? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Yeah. No, I, I hate it. Everything about it is awful. Yeah, no, no, it was good. It was really fun. Yeah. No. <laughs> that- I'm happy to be back. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be back for episode three on the basis of what I just said. But uh, if was- you can't have enthusiasm from your team, at least have honesty. Right, right. Uh, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll know when I'm getting fat again because Fang will like lead an intro episode. Like, hey man, how you doing? You're looking a bit chunky. Are you feeling okay? What's, what's going on? What's going on? Tripping money that you can't take under the table, Luke. What are you talking about? Yeah, man. Trash Panda been sliding me like some burritos that he found outside of like a Taco Bell, and uh, <laughs> has uh, appeared, uh, has done an interview with uh, Fifth Trooper uh, recently. And and we're all looking forward to that episode um, coming uh, coming to to your podcast uh, soon. So, so, um, so right, yeah, um, I've already heard it. Is it out already? Yeah, it dropped on. It Wednesday. is out already. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right. So that shows you how much I know about uh, the podcasting <laughs> Legion podcasting world. So, guys, uh, we've got a packed show for you today. Um, we've uh, we we as promised last episode, we are going to do a deep dive into. Uh, the Cancun Legion Tournament's top four lists. So we bring you all the cutting edge analysis. Uh, we've got um, a very special treat, um, our first ever interview with uh, a special guest, Joe, Joe Backer, the legendary terrain band, the legend, the terrain builder. Uh, we're gonna talk to him about his amazing uh, Mos Eisley uh, cantina, full scale, uh, full Legion scale cantina. So guys, um, First of all, just some uh, news, some some updates uh, after our first episode. We've had a great re- response from the communities. Thank you for all your well wishes, uh, all your jokes, uh, all your digs. Um, so you know, it's it's good to good to see you guys listening to us. Good to see you uh, um, providing feedback. You know, talking to us. We we love the interaction. Um, so we just wanted to let you know that um, uh, we do have a new permanent logo. Um, it's uh, designed by the very talented uh, artist, Mr. Brian Cook. So thank you, Brian. Uh, if you haven't seen it already, you can see it on our Facebook page. So just search uh, We Are Legion Podcast on Facebook. It's, um, uh, you know, guys, well, what do you think of the new logo? Jam, you go first. You, what are you, what are you yeah. feeling? You feeling good? Yeah, I love it. Personally, I looked at it and I was like, that, that encapsulates a lot of what we've done, what we are. Um, the mm-hmm. background is actually the uh, the picture that we all picked for Moab, which is probably where this all kick started. Yeah, uh, I thought yeah. I thought you're being a bit. I thought you're being like a bit more literal. Like you're like you're like that encapsulates what we are. And I'm like, you're saying we're a helmet. Is that <laughs> is that is that is that what you're saying? Um, With nothing inside. I couldn't. 
And I could I couldn't agree more. We are an empty helmet. That is correct. We're just all all show on the outside, nothing on the inside. <laughs> I, I know for paint on it, so you know we look a bit prettier. Yeah, yeah, right. I know that I'm just a pretty hollow veneer, which is encapsulating nothing. Right, that's just who I am. I can't believe we more look there, Luke. Yeah, it's great. No, I think it's a really good logo. I mean, obviously, I'm a bit biased because I came up with the idea. I'm just not artistically talented <laughs> enough to, to to make it. So, yeah, I think it's great. Of course, I think it's great. <laughs> Self-promoting as always. So, so back to the logo. So um, if you haven't seen it already, it's got a uh, Pathfinder helmet, the Scarif Pathfinder helmet uh, in profile. It's got We Are Legion written uh, on it. In the background, we've got um, the uh, Empire logo and the Rebel Alliance logo, so half-half uh, made into a circle. So, you know, I think really, really captures um, our, our uh, name, first of all, um, our character that, you know, obviously we are about Star Wars, we are about uh, Legion, you know, we're not about any single uh, faction. Um, and, you know, Luke, you, you came up with this idea, right, of the helmet. It represents, um, you know, do, do you want to tell us in your own words, words what that helmet represents? Yeah, what it represents to me, I thought it was really good because it was a good way of representing sort of the, the faceless mass of troopers, right? Like the, yeah. the, minion, the minions that and the normal soldiers that make up, you know, the majority of the models on our table, right? Yeah, uh, yep. the privates you know, you, in the Legion, you know, in the platoons, in the companies, in the trenches. Totally. Um, now, is it also, like, good because no other podcast has a <laughs> Rebel Trooper helmet as their logo? I'm not saying it is, but I'm not saying it's not, all right? <laughs> we definitely all about that. wanted to, 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 you know, have our own identity. Right, you got to be about that product differentiation, but that's not why we're here. Let's talk about Legion, right? Like, let's yeah. let's dive okay. in. <laughs> All right, so just uh, just one more update before we dive into the CanCon lists. Um, so we are uh, we are available on Anchor and the Spotify platforms. We have plans to distribute much more widely than that. Originally, we've had hit a snag with that um, uh, recently. So uh, there's uh, uh, there's issue with um, uh, with our logo logo uh, our temporary logo uh, possibly um, uh, some copyright issues. So with this new uh, original and permanent logo, we've uh, resubmitted um, our uh, distribution application, and hopefully that'll come through soon. And we'll we'll certainly keep you guys updated. Uh, you guys have um, uh, sent uh, uh, quite a number of questions. Uh, you know asking for the podcast to be made available on Apple Podcasts, for example, on Chrome. So, you know, just wanted to let you guys know we are working on it. You can't stop us. We are Legion. So <laughs> next up, we have uh, the CanCon top four list uh, deep dive. Um, so uh, let's let's start with, um, uh, shall we start with the number four list, uh, guys? Yeah, let's do it. Let's okay. do it. All right, so this is uh, James Brett's uh, list, who I played against, um, as you heard in our, on our first episode. Um, so, Luke, do you want to take 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 it away and tell us what's in James's list? Yeah. So straight off the bat, this is a cis list. This is a droid faction. He's got nine activations. He's coming in at seven ninety seven. It's a pretty it's a pretty quintessential double the fall list. Mm -hmm. uh, and for for those at home that may not be aware, double the fall is where you take both General Grievous and Count Dooku. 
And so his list is General Grievous with Strict Orders, Tenacity, and the DT-57 Annihilator, so mm -hmm. pistol. Count Dooku loaded to bear with Force Choke, Force Push, Force Reflexes, and Esteemed Leader. Yep, yep. Two... Two B1 battle droids with an extra droid and HQ uplink. Three naked B1 battle droids. Uh, a final B1 battle droid with the E5C. So that's the triple black cheap uh, heavy weapon. Mm -hmm. And then finally, one naked droidica squad. Yeah, so only one uh, heavy weapon uh, in the whole list. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's, uh, so what's interesting, so clearly he's gone for, so a lot of these sort of standard, like, you know, finger quotes, air quotes, double the four lists normally come in at eight activations, and then they load up what the 100 points that he's, you know, put aside for the droidicas is normally used to give heavy weapons or extra droids to the, the B1 squads. So that's sort of, you know, he's stripped away some of his B1's potency and then squeezed in a ninth activation and a droidica as a result. It's bumping up to where some of those Imperial gunline lists are. So he's trying to play the activation war with a double heavy hero list. So that, for me, that looks solid. And droidicas are really no slouch either. I mean, those suppressive guns become really annoying late game. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm a huge fan of the droidicas. I ran them through the single limbs recently of, of the SSL. I was running a Grievous list yeah. when I was doing that, but I still, you know, I had double droidicas and I did. I found, I found droidicas to be like, I think they're probably one of the best balance units currently within the game because they have a pretty defined role, but they still feel really good at that role. And they they don't feel oppressive right like they don't feel so overpowered or broken that you your opponent feels like they have no answers but then equally as a player running them you feel good about bringing them like you don't feel like oh man that didn't do a lot for me mm. they um you know they, they play that flanker harasser role very well you know they got the suppressive uh they put out a decent but not overwhelming amount of fire um and they, they're quite survivable you know with all their shields uh, yeah. and rege regeneration yeah, and if you're playing them right, you'll hopefully stick them into heavy cover. And then it really, like, the name of the game is shield management. Like, you should be looking mm. at, you know, the kind of dice, dice pool coming in, like, whether it has pierce or not, and what, you know, what you're expecting across the turn, right? Because you only get one shield back every turn. So it's just all about managing mm -hmm. that to sort of minimize, you know, sort of the, the damage you can take. Like, for example, if I have, yeah. like, if I, if I know I'm going to take, like, another shot later in the round and then I've got, like, two saves, but mm -hmm. I've had it like my droid because they're at full health. It, I'll probably not, you know, use any shields at that point if I'm mm -hmm. expecting further hits because you're like, well, there's no way I can lose a droidica. So this just may, you know, it's just really easy mm -hmm. to make them super mm -hmm. annoying. Yeah. To sort yeah. of keep them around. So save your shields for those uh, massive attack uh, dice pulls. Well, not even so much that. It's more just like be aware of the contexts in which you're using them, right? Like look mm -hmm. at, you know, how many shields do I have? How much, how many wounds have they already taken? What is likely to hit me across the rest of this turn? What is, what, what has pierced? What doesn't, you know, so it's just all about the context. And if you use it really cleverly, they can stick around for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it makes them, and you know, when they get to that later game stage, then they become really, really, really effective as that flanker because that suppressive starts to really stack up. Yeah, yeah. So James obviously did very well taking out fourth place at a 45-player tournament. Um, what do you think, um, what do you guys think are the strengths of this list aside from the droidicas? Well, I mean, obviously with all double the four lists, it's those double characters. Yep. They are yep. big powerhouse hitters. Uh, having versed, eh, 
two, well, three separate versions of that list. I'd say James is um, particularly, although it relies heavily on his characters, that those characters do so much. And so, yeah, a lot of people seem to forget that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my game with James, um, he, uh, he played the two characters in combination really well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so obviously, like for a double the four list, right? Like the the whole point is is that it's a it's a hero delivery vehicle, or like the mm-hmm. the, the two pillars of that list is Dooku and Grievous, right? Like you have mm-hmm. two individually powerhouse units that, when combined together, become that that like that is the core of the list, right? Like yeah, uh, you, yeah. Every, everything else is just like extra and is padding to help those characters do what they need to do. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I, I I think you know they have both of those characters have some of the best command cards in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, Grievous's one pip can absolutely devastate an entire army if it gets into the right spot to be in range one of everything. Mm-hmm. And then Dooku has some really nasty tricks up his sleeve that really just can brutalize a list. And then that and that yeah, they have this really good synergy where. Even if you know, say, like a Dooku card is coming, you know, you can normally set it up so that Grievous still has an order. So it's just this constant one-two punch. Yeah. And it can be really hot, tough for your for an opponent to manage that and sort of, you know, beat that storm back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, the only real major drawback to this list, apart from its low activation count, would actually be the fact that you're relying heavily on both Grievous and Dooku and therefore their command cards. So if you knock mm-hmm. one of them out early, which an opponent of mine in our current SSL league copped, uh, I'll be honest, it was Courtney. Uh, uh, <laughs> best mate, but he copped uh, a turn two uh, loss of uh, Dooku without playing a single Dooku card and then a turn three loss of Grievous. So he was playing standing orders for three or four turns. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, mean, it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely the kind of list where if you lose a hero like that, it's not necess- not inherently GG, but it's it, it's very, very close, right? Because that's mm-hmm. that's where all your threat and all your strength is coming from. So if you lose even one of them, it can be, you know, devastating. It can be the difference between winning and losing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, I think a hidden strength of this list is... Um, just the number of B1 bodies that's coming up behind the two heroes. Um, so, you know, most people will be shooting the two heroes as they're coming towards you. So mm. then then the, the masses of B1s um, are, are also advancing, taking territory, you know, uh, scoring objectives, uh, pushing, pushing, uh, pushing the opponent um, uh, just by their presence, um, stopping the the opponent from contesting objectives, um, and, and that that was how James won our game. You know, I killed both heroes. I thought I was home, but he had gained so much territory. He had gained so much uh, uh, such a lead on victory points um, that he ultimately won the game. Right. If you're looking exactly. at it like that. We'll say, for example, the biggest dice pull that I've humanly seen being shot out of something right now is nine dice out of an ATST at long range, so at range four. And that's if mm-hmm. you're throwing the mortar and the main gun into something. And effectively, there you're looking for about five or six hits, which you usually will either whittle the squad down to no effect. So there's, there's like nothing you can do with that squad anymore. They're going to be heavily suppressed. They might get one action this turn. They're probably not going to make it into cover. Um, 
you do the same mm-hmm. thing to a B one squad. They don't drop. Like they'll you'll lose six, sure. At 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 best you'll lose six. They don't care about the suppression. They still get both their actions there. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe two yeah, or three so models they can around. Still, so yeah, go pick up a box. You know, still aim and shoot. They're still effective. All right, so I think we're ready to move on to the number three list. Uh, so who had the uh, number three list, guys? Some well, jerk. Some jerk I had. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Such a jerk. Yeah. Such a jerk he's a presenter. Um, <laughs> but I had number three. I was okay, running... Jim, so what's in your list? Yeah, I was running almost a, uh, a clear classic shoreline. I had Viz with aggressive tactics. Bosk, purely naked. I had... So just the scales, the jumpsuit? Yeah, just, just the jumpsuit. The, the man likes to not wear clothes. But, you know, <laughs> that's the way he rolls. Um, I also had three short trooper units, two with T21Bs and one with a R4 medbot, but uh-huh. only actually having the R4 medbot on the unit because it's a cheap extra wound, so it keeps that unit alive a bit longer because nine points is a lot cheaper than the uh, alternatives. Yeah, yeah. Love those Astromex. Yeah. And uh, then a single sniper, three mm-hmm. mortars with comms relay. Otherwise, it wouldn't be the effective shoreline. And mm-hmm. an ATST with the hammer pilot and the mortar to add extra suppression all year round. Yeah, yeah. So how many uh, suppressive weapons in that list? Five. Wow. Wow. That is, a, that, a, that is a big yikes from me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just 10 suppressions, you know, just from those five weapons every round. Uh, you got uh, loads of range um, all yeah. across your list. Yep, everything likes to sit at the range three to four mark. Um, the big one is obviously the command hand plays into that as well, so not... Not taking the uh, the stock standard, I'm going to take all of Bosk's cards and I'm going to take all of these cards. Mm-hmm. I'm going to roll with that. I actually only took okay. one of uh, Bosk's cards, which is Reptilian Rampage. Yep. Uh, yep. That's sweet, sweet double tap free move. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I took only two of these cards being the maximum firepower and the, what's his three? Imperial Discipline. Uh, yeah, Imperial Discipline, purely because I knew that mm-hmm. lots of people were either taking Shorelines or Krennic because he's a cheap Imperial commander. Mm-hmm. And the way that everybody around here plays, everybody's mostly playing Imperials or something close to until they're getting into the new factions. And so you'll see lots of Krennics mm-hmm. and lots of um, Veers gun lines. So I was like, well, I wanted to steer away from being stuck, having units that could do nothing or having Veers uh, getting suppressed off the board. So it gave me that extra little bit of love but then i threw in um the coordinated fire as opposed to lying in wait because effectively mm-hmm. it's lying in wait when you've got a shoreline but you start with three aims that you can automatically pass yeah and you're not limited mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. just Bosk sitting there getting those free aims it's i can give them to the atst or to veers or to Bosk if needed or to, to i can pass that one aim along yeah it's a lot more flexible yeah, yeah, and, and that lovely rule of crits don't care because, mm-hmm. um, you know, crits don't care about cover, crits don't care about dodges. Mm-hmm. Um, and on, you know, with boss, crits don't care about uh, surge to defense either because lovely uh, Pierce. 
effectively it's basically a walking gun line that hands out a minimum of 12 suppression a turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's and nice. And also, you know, only taking one of boss uh, command cards, um, you know, the other command cards like push, um, assault, um, I assume you took those, um, they, they give you a lot more activation control because um, with a shoreline, you know, that... Um, uh, you know, relay relay the uh, the orders all the way down the uh, chain trick. Um, you know, you you need those uh, you, you need those command cards to to give yeah. um, a couple orders to to your core units. Exactly. I mean, the the generic command cards, even the standing orders, gives you four orders a turn, which is without you know, if you had Krennic with Death Troopers or um, Palp with Royal Guard, effectively you could do the same thing and get five but that's the only way you be it's it's effective mm. effective um bag control for imperials yeah which we all know is going to disappear very soon so i thought i might as well get use uh get some use <laughs> out of it while we still had it yeah yeah the uh the, the ideas of um nerfing the the shores and and tontons uh, ha, has been announced by the uh game developers yeah um, it's so- coming yeah, so good. So I think it's sort of like an interesting opportunity we can take because obviously, you know, you're actually on the podcast having, you know, I feel like whenever you go to a big tournament, it's always about sort of the ideas that you have about what good list design looks like and about what the meta is going to look like and then how that actually stacks up in practice. Obviously, I mean, you came third, so you did pretty, pretty well. It's pretty good, right? You know? Yeah. Uh, but uh, having gone through the tournament. You didn't win though. Right, right. Ricky, oh. Ricky Bobby rules, if you ain't first, you're last, right? But ha- having gone through the tournament, is there anything you would have changed about this list? Or maybe, you know, maybe if you don't have an answer to to it, like, oh, yeah, I would have swapped this for this. Was there certain things in the list that you didn't, you know, uh, like having stress tested them go, you know what, I didn't get a lot of value out of that? Or, you know, yeah, how did you feel about the list afterwards? I was actually really happy with the list afterwards. Um, the way it performed, the only list I lost to, and yes, Fang, I didn't come first. The only person <laughs> I lost to was the guy that came first. So, you know, I feel pretty confident in my gaming manlyhood there. Um, hey, hey, that's gender neutral, all right? It's just it's just gaming competency, guys. Come on now. It's fairly well established. Um I'd stress tested that list from, and we're, we're talking about January this year, I'd stress tested that list or in its infancy what I'd taken to Moab for about four straight months. So yeah. leading up to Moab and then into Moab and then post Moab for October, November, December. And we're talking solid two, three games a week. So it started off <laughs> with you know three T21Bs and targeting scopes on every unit and didn't have aggressive tactics and it had a few more extra extra toys on the ATST and then I realized that the, the list only really likes to do one thing which is to stand still even on vaporators and other other uh, objectives that you don't really want to do in the late game mm-hmm. it wants to stand there until turn three and mm-hmm. throw down mm-hmm. so much depression that your opponent can't do anything and then go now that I'm not just the control player I have the actual board entirely in my grasp then I'll move forward and do all these objectives that you meant to do early game. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yeah. And just on that, I think um, that that's probably the only Achilles heel of the shoreline. Uh, if you you are forced to advance, 
let's say you know you're playing intercept the, the transmissions or you know if you're you're playing uh, breakthrough and you're the rep player um, and, and you know you're, you're forced to advance and, and that's where the, the shoreline um, becomes a bit unstuck you know it's not playing its natural game um, it actually has to has to move um, you know the the it's, it's natural uh, strength gets gets taken out in those scenarios yeah the I, I mean, realistically, I've never, I've always tried to steer away from breakthrough. Yeah. So unless it's sitting in the third spot and my opponent is digging for it, I, I avoid it or do it as, as make sure that I can cut that off, off the objectives. Mm -hmm. For yeah. every other objective, a shoreline seems to work fine, especially when, you know, you can throw down things like advanced positions or you throw down. I think there isn't really a deployment style that, you can't play to its strengths with a shoreline or with another gun line similar mm -hmm. to it. I think I the only, going the only bad ones are uh, disarray and, and, and battle lines. Um, but even with, with 10 activations and disarray, and this is what I used at Nats, mm -hmm. same list, and although I, I got paired poorly and the tables were disgusting, um, I'll say that because one of the games I played on had a massive ship that was... Uh, wrecked right through the middle of the table mm -hmm. that was really dense terrain but was also really big and you couldn't actually move through it you'd have right. to go mm -hmm. over it there was no real mm. cover so it was it was either you're standing on top of this hulk or you're not or you're not in cover right. at all right so that that's i feel like the shoreline still requires you to have cover on the table to to play but even on a game like breakthrough you just Move your um, you move your mortars up, and you go move standby because they've still got that range three standby. Mm -hmm. So then you still have that board control idea of well, I can move forward, and then if my opponent's going to move into range, or if they get to that range three because they've got the ability to standby shoot at range three, I can lob some suppression down range. So although I'm not getting them to do less activations mm. this turn, I can do it next. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And disarray works really well because you just throw Bosk and or snipers in the opposite corner and go, you can either deal with this crit suppression monster mm -hmm. or you can deal with the rest of my army, which is effectively what I did to a, a player at, the, at Nats where he, uh, he ran his Tauntauns in to kill Bosk and I went, cool, Bosk's going to double tap that Tauntaun unit, then jump away, like around a corner. So now that Tauntaun unit has four suppression on them and five wounds so one's mm -hmm. dead so you can either keep coming at bosk where he's going to win that fight or you can run off and try right. and kill something else do you feel did you did you feel in particular that there was any lists that sort of any list archetypes that you were like worried about matching up against like during the tournament was there you know was there certain lists that you think match like really well against this or were you pretty happy with it as like a general all comers like maybe you might not have like strong matchups against all this but you're like yeah i can compete fairly well uh shorelines especially my one competes fairly well because it's still although it is relying heavily on say critical because mortars have a search to crit viz has search to crit the t21bs have critical one so we're all aiming for that you know trying to get crits through and trying to suppress something down it has an even amount of things that can deal with armor, things that can deal with pierce. I mean, provided you've got the table range, things that can deal with a force user. It's not so much. And here's the thing where I don't think that shores are overly nerfed, right? Or that we're going to get a nerf that they're going to be 
uh, overly um, penalized. The problem's not with each individual unit. The problem that everybody's facing is with the chain. Um, and realistically, like B1 chaining, it's there for that reason. So I don't yeah. see, I see it as an all comers list that doesn't have too much of a strength in any way. Yeah. And I think purely, I mean, if you fix the, the problem with comms relay, just being able to give pretty much your whole army in order. Um, I feel like going forward, they're not overly, I mean, it's not going to help them much, but it's, it's going to make other lists. Yeah. Like you soon. think that's like a, like a positive change. And I, like, I would, I like, I don't think we need a deep dive on that necessarily now, but I would agree. I think, Shaw's my gut feeling is that Shaw's become reasonably well balanced once that comms relay chain gets you know once that goes into effect because I think I think what we'll probably yeah. see a lot more of then is is rather than in, like in your list where you have three Shaw's three mortars like so it's just all Shaw's all the time I think what will become more common is like yep. one Shaw trooper unit and one mortar right like and mm -hmm. then maybe the rest of the list will be like stormtroopers or, or something else you know what i mean mm, mm. or even two mortars because I, I always see ffg does likes to do everything in the rule of two like buy two boxes of this you always have what you need so mm, i see mm. them going back to that rule with this where it's two shores two mortars and two snow troopers or two shores two mortars or your yeah. core is just the two shores two mortars and then you see two they feel that cheap active especially with the mortars they're feeling that cheap activation spot of snipers so effectively it's saying and they're doing it more effectively than the uh, mark twos which the rebels got mm. and until clones and separatists get something like that it's it's going here's five super cheap activations mm. then add if you include three snipers then add you know five other things to marry out your list yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's going to freshen up the game uh, when when they change uh, the shores and, and tontons. Um, I think I think that's a very good thing. Execute order sixty six. So, uh, into Officer Luke, did you want to give a bit of update on the um, uh, MOTF community store you talk about last episode? Yeah, definitely. So we're live now. The store is uh, is is up live. So the, the address for that is, yeah, the address for that is uh, motf-community.com. And there's lots of really good uh, products available. At the moment, we only really have like shirts, like merchandising. And obviously in the future, we're looking to expand into actually delivering, you know, uh, the actual FFG product as well. But it's really exciting. We already technically basically broken even. And like we sort of discussed elsewhere, the plan for this is to use the net profit from this to both support charity, but also more importantly, to support our community efforts so mm -hmm. we're really excited and also there's lots of really hilarious shirts that have been spreading around the community i know for a fact that the uh the fu luke cook who <laughs> being our world champion reigning world champion has already had a few sales so i'm hoping that we can get that out there more <laughs> so that inevitably what, what, has, what has luke cook ever done to you <laughs> Nothing. He's great. He's hilarious. He just he just wins too much. Ah, it's huge. Total total crab in a pot scenario. I'm not gonna lie. But uh, I, that detects some jealousy here. 
must be the perfect Yeah, Luke he's, he's the better Luke. I'll come out on record and say that. He, he went to Las Vegas and not only did he win LVO, but he won money gambling. Who does that? What absolute madman. So, you know, I had to I had to create a shirt to let him know how I felt. And he's on board because, of course, he is. <laughs> is he going to wear that to the next tournament uh, he plays in? Well, he's going to. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I can I'm sure that can be arranged. But no, yeah, it should be really fantastic. So yeah, if you want to check that out, go right ahead. We're, and we're already we're really ambitious. We're gonna choke on our aspirations, but we've already got some We Are Legion merchandise out there on the MOTFC uh, store. Mm -hmm. So feel free to check that out. You can check out our new logo. Looks really good on a shirt. And you know, basically roughly about ten dollars from every shirt sale goes towards our community. So it's really good. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Get behind it, guys. Um, I know which uh, shirts, uh, which battle vests I want, um, and I'm going to put my order in soon. All right, so coming up next, guys, we've got a very special treat uh, yeah. for you. Uh, in the studio with us, we've got our first ever special guest um, for a studio interview. This is the incomparable terrain builder, community builder, paint master painter, the incomparable Joseph Joe Barker Simeone. Oh, thank Welcome. you, guys. Wow, that's um, well, yeah, well, that's a big title. Welcome, Joe. <laughs> how how was that build up, Joe? Did you like it? Yeah. No. Yeah, you feel like the mother of dragons, the breaker of chains, yeah. right? Like the master, <laughs> the master painter. Yeah, it's an it's a new direction we're gonna take. We're really gonna slam gonna say, those multiple audiences, right? Like if you're not doing... enjoying Star Wars, that Game of Thrones crossover should really pull yeah. you in, really, really quickly. It's it's our ploy to uh, to extend our listener base. Oh yeah, oh yeah, right. Just drop a couple of keyword references every now and then, like a few Star Wars quotes. Yeah. <laughs> so so Joe, how how does it uh, feel to be our very first uh, interview oh, guest? This feels great. Um, I've never been on a podcast before, but I've listened to so many. And um, yeah, well, what what a great one yeah. to be on for your first I, podcast. I, I, I love that, man. Good answer. We're literally two episodes yeah. in. How does it feel? Is it an honor? I would say it's like the honor of a lifetime, <laughs> of a lifetime to yeah. be here to be here today, right, Joe? <laughs> I've got. Right? It's about the future of this podcast, Luke. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's true. You're thinking ahead, man. Like that's it. Down the line, when it is super special, you'll be like, "See, Joe might not have appreciated this, so I'm letting him appreciate it in advance." Yeah. <laughs> how, how special it will become in the future. How are you feeling now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, yeah, that's idea of our Hey, you were here episode. a year ago. How are you okay. feeling now? So, Joe Bucker back. <laughs> Joe Bucker. <laughs> so, Mr. Joe Bucker, um, there, there's so many things we can talk to you about. But, you know, the reason why we invited you on the show today is to uh, talk to you about your amazing Mose Eisley mm -hmm. cantina. Um, so, so tell us. Um, so, you know, obviously, you you built this full scale Legion scale uh, cantina, uh, totally usable on on the Legion yes. table. T tell us, um, you know, how did you come up with this uh, idea in the first place? Well, it all obviously all starts. I'm very big fan of Star Wars, as you guys already know. And mm -hmm. I, yeah, just a little yeah, bit. Just, <laughs> I noticed personally, yeah, and. <laughs> Pretty much, I saw Empire Strikes yeah. Back at the cinemas. So, Star Wars for me is New Hope to Return of the Jedi, right? Yeah. So, 
I love the desert thing. Okay, so you saw Empires first, and then and then you you got a VHS of New yeah, Hope or something. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, well, no, I probably would have seen it on VHS, but as far as I can remember, um, saw Empire, then New Hope. But oh, I love the desert theme. Mm-hmm. I've always, yeah, always themed my armies around desert desert themes. So um, mm-hmm. why not build the cantina? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you like the dry, you like yeah. sand. You know, you're opposite Outside of Anakin. Anakin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so why not start? With, you love the course. So why not start with the cantina, the most <laughs> iconic? Bar in the Star Wars universe. Absolutely, absolutely, it is. It is. It is. It's a very memorable scene yeah. in the cantina. That's where it all started, really, isn't it? So, how do you, Joe? How do you take like? So, okay. So, obviously, you know that makes sense. You're a big Star Wars fan. That that checks out. Yeah. All right. How do you take the the idea and then sort of try and translate that into like? How do you like? What's the starting point for turning that into a dope build? How does that? How does that happen? Starting point. Sorry. Um, so how did you oh, do the right. design? You know, so you yeah. had this idea to do the cantina. Yeah. How did you translate it into actual okay, design? Well, yeah. Thank first, you. Thank. Yeah. No first, um, it was like scouring the internet for, you know, images and <laughs> references. Um, obviously, movie, putting on the DVD and, and having a look, details. Because uh, I mean, on the table, <laughs> good excuse to watch the yeah, movie that was again. Good excuse to watch the movie again. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I like my terrain to have lots of detail. Um, so yeah. by looking at reference books and and internet um, blogs and all that sort of stuff, you know, you come up with all these images and you just go from there and and you sort of have to then realize, well, it's is a game. It's on the tabletop. You've got to sort of put it all in in to fit into a six by three. Mm-hmm. You know, you come up, so, yeah, yeah, that's right. So that had a few challenges, but I overcame mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. We've just compromised, but it still looks good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you've got to make yeah. it functional for for a game, for a game yeah. of Legion and as with well. Trying to keep all the detail. So. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so how did you strike that balance? You know, what compromises um, did you make? Well, the, particularly the alcoves. Um, the alcoves where everyone, mm-hmm. you know, Han Solo sh- shoots first, as everyone knows. Um, <laughs> in in the movie, in the, in the pictures on the internet and books and all that, it's they usually probably could only fit maybe four people in there in some of them, right? Because they're kind of like a bar, like a bar booth, booth, right? right. So, I mean, yeah. you know, in Legion, you've got to fit, you know, six, you know, six in a squad. So the bases are 27 mm-hmm. mil. So you had to sort of adapt um, fitting a squad in a, in a, in a booth. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So in your version of the cantina, a whole squad of stormtroopers can hang, hang out, out have, a drink, have a drink in the same yeah. alcove. That's very considerate, <laughs> I've got to say. Yeah. Okay, so compromises were made. Um, you know, the the cantina looks amazing, and it can also be played uh, played uh, yes, in. Yes, it can be played in um, and on top. Like I've got a roof that um, comes off, and you can obviously play inside it. But if you didn't want mm-hmm. to play inside it, you could play around it and on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, um, how how did you then execute your plan? You know, how how did how did you do the build? Right. Oh, I found. Um, this diorama, this guy that does dioramas, um, 
can't remember his name now, but um, he actually he built um, one that's not Legion scale, but it's massive. Um, and he, he, he had a set mm-hmm. of blueprints. Um, so I just I printed them off, went off, yeah, went okay. off Swerks, okay. printed them off and, and, and had a map, you'd say, like a, a, a plan of how thick the walls were and, and the size. Yep. So, yeah, yep. and it, it actually. So literally you had a builder's plan of yes. the cantina. Yeah. Architect's plan. Architect's plan, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> and then what? That's probably why it looks so good. <laughs> well, yeah, no wonder, no wonder it looks like like so realistic because you're using like an architectural design. So, what yeah. sort of um, you know, I am I'm definitely like I really love the hobby and I've uh, dabbled. You know, I have like some 3D printed terrain or like some of your pre-built yeah. kits. But for stuff like these custom builds, like what what sort of materials are you using? Like, what do you you know? Because obviously maybe like lots of people listening are really like keen hobbyists and they'll be like, you fool, it's like, yes. you know, it's such and such. But, you know, for people newer yeah. to the hobby, I think, which is especially going to be really common with Star Wars Legion. Yeah. What, what are you using? Like, how do you, how do you make okay. it? Okay. Um, well, the, the best, the easiest and most efficient material to use is foam core. Um, if, if people don't know what that is, then it's, it's high density foam with a layer of paper on both sides. You know, yeah, um, yeah, you can yeah. you can pick them up about. at Officeworks um, or any stationery mm-hmm. department shop. Um, it comes in various thicknesses, which um, mm-hmm. I use the five mil, which is pretty easy to cut through with a Stanley knife and all that sort of stuff. So basically, mm-hmm. um, the, all the walls, um, all the archways, pretty much the whole thing is built out of foam core. Except, except the base, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. um, uh, MDF. I used a uh, seven mil mm-hmm. MDF. Um, it's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, then um, basically it's foam core. But then on the on the outside yep. of that, because it's just paper, it's pretty flat. I used um, which is a really good product. Um, I went to Bunnings and it's like a textured paint. Right. It's got mm-hmm. like a sandy okay. grit to it where you yeah. apply that either yeah. with a brush or a, or a spatula and you can get this like, yeah. nice rendered yeah. looks like a rend so it's almost like a it's almost like a yeah. spackle paint yeah. almost yeah. yeah right yeah right yeah I mean, like watching watching you um build this because you sent updates um uh, on facebook yeah. as you're building this it felt like a renovation project you know like you see People yes. renovate houses. They they render over the bricks. Yes, that's right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it felt like it, it did yeah. feel like work because my background is in the building industry. I'm, I'm an electrician, but it, it's it's um it's just like what you see on a building site. You know, the foundations go on, and then the walls, yeah. and, and then all the details. So yeah, but just at a yeah. just at a much, yeah. much smaller, smaller scale. scale obviously. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, it, it's great. You can apply your professional yeah. skills to uh, to to uh, yes, terrain yes. building, to to That's miniatures. Right. Game. I'm always on site looking for materials to take home so I can use them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I hope you're the boss is not listening to yeah. this. <laughs> That's where all that spackle That's went. Right. Like, <laughs> um, pretty sure he so how long is like, uh, how long have you been making like terrain? You know, how long has that been a part of your oh, hobby? Oh, well, I've, I mean, I've always liked building things. But um, funny you say that because wargaming hobby stuff to me has only been the last five, six years. Yeah, Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. I've always mm-hmm. liked it, but mm-hmm. never had mm-hmm. to, never had friends that liked um, in general. I've mm-hmm. always loved it, but never had anyone to play. Yeah. So that's, that's another story in itself. 
but um, and then you found, found us. You. Yes, yes. And, and you knew in that moment your life was complete. I don't blame you, yeah. Joe. That, that, that makes that makes sense. Um, well, then that's like then that's like really good because I honestly, I, I'm not gonna lie. I honestly thought your background because you know your hobby so hard that I was like, oh, this guy must for sure. Have Twenty been years. Like, oh, I wish game. I had. Yeah, I, I don't know. I wish I had. Yeah. Um, so, so then this for me feels like really great questions to ask you because if you've sort of come in much more recently by you know what i thought you know what do you think is like really good advice to someone that's like getting in and you know both for like painting the miniatures but also for maybe if they want to branch out and do some terrain hobby projects because i think that's like a really big part of legion yeah what what would you what would your advice for like where to start would well, be? i always say pick something you like you know pick a theme um, whether it's the desert like I, I love or Scarif or a beach or a um, city um, and then research it, you know, look at images, look uh -huh. at um, books. Uh, there's plenty of obviously the movies, all that sort of stuff and yeah. just go from there. Yeah. I, I love researching uh, when I paint as well. It, it's really, yeah. really useful. And it sort of has a background story to it all. Like oh, I like playing on tables that, that actually mean something, not like six pieces of mm. terrain, three on one side, three on the other. I like I like it to be somewhere and, and have a meaning behind it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, like those uh, <laughs> lovely forty k tables at CanCon, <laughs> and then you look at our lovely tables, which I will point out. Although Joe didn't provide oh, as many as I did, thank you, Joe. All of Joe's tables are um, amazing. That is, yeah. that is not a surprise. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So, so Joe, tell us. Um, you know, if someone was looking at uh, this uh, cantina, uh, it's right in front yep. of them, what, what what would they see? Okay, what would you see? You'd obviously see um, a desert building. It's more along the lines. I think uh -huh. I think the Tatooine scene was more Middle Eastern type uh -huh. type buildings. With yeah, a, kind of Casablanca, yeah, North African type, kind of yeah you know, setting. Um, it's mm. obviously a desert colors like sand uh, earth tones mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff um it's all it's pretty much with that pay, uh, textured paste i was talking to you about um very gritty and sandy and erosion um well, mm -hmm. rough mm -hmm. looking it's like it's not been smoothed out like a house uh, yeah 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 very yeah. lifting just, just like, like in the movie, movie. Yeah. And um, well, what sort of details? Yes, sorry, you got um, and, and then being an electrician, um, I said I've got to put some lights, yeah, because you know, every bar has yeah. lights, right? <laughs> right, of course, of course. So, I actually um, I wired every alcove, I referenced the movie scene, <laughs> they had blue lights, they had red lights, they had orange lights, they had all these type of you know, fluorescent looking lights. So I managed. It's a disco. Yeah, disco. Yeah, <laughs> which I got a few comments about that too on Facebook. <laughs> the um, the first time I actually saw it live in person, oh, was something yes, else okay, you had right, added to it. It's the, the, the cantina song <laughs> from the movie. <laughs> so I'll premise this a little bit for him, just in case. He actually yeah. has a, uh -huh. a Bluetooth speaker built no into way. the actual terrain piece, and then. All of the batteries to power walls, all of yeah, the lights yeah. in the speaker are hidden yeah, in the cavity. Get like out. It's a double wall, so it's got a cavity in between where the batteries fit and the wiring's hidden, so you can't yeah. see nothing but the light fittings. Um, 
And yeah. yeah, it's 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 pretty much on par with what you see in the movie. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, there's so much detail in in this building. Uh, t- Joe, Joe, tell us about uh, some of the other details you put in. Um, with with um, gotten into three D printing as well. So mm-hmm. some of the details um, to fill out the walls. Uh, I, I I printed off um, like exhaust fans. Um, vents, mm. uh, doorways, um, all that. Rings for tying your yeah, back while you're going outside. for a drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got these rings that you see in the reference photos and that in <laughs> Star Wars. So that's a, so that's a, like a really good, I guess, like segue because uh, I know that you've really gotten into 3D printing and I know like Jem has has as well. Do you feel like from a hobbyist perspective, do you feel like, you know, that access being able to just like jump onto something like Thingverse and like look for a small component like that? Do you like, how do you feel like that's impacted your ability as a hobbyist to make such cool terrain? Yeah, well, um, that's the first thing, research. I scoured, uh, you know, I needed rings. I needed the size rings to to look to scale so it can tie up a dewback. It's funny you say that because I couldn't find <laughs> anything actually on Thingiverse. So uh, I went to Spotlight. Okay. Spotlight, like oh, really? the jewelry section there, and they're actually like they're like <laughs> earrings, really. <laughs> right. Yeah, so anything. <laughs> so for those international listeners, uh, Spotlight is is a store where you buy kind of knickknacks, yeah, fabric, right? um, yeah. yeah, any household stuff. But um, it's amazing yeah. if you just put your mind to it, you can you can use anything to incorporate it into terrain somehow. I noticed you. Yeah, noticed. yeah. It's it's all about creativity. Yeah, you've used boxes of um, like the, the empty boxes that you get. Yeah, corset. from the corset. Yeah, yeah you turn that into piece of terrain. Yeah, so. to make yeah. a building. Yeah, yeah. I think it's extra satisfying when you you know make use of um, you know non traditional materials. You know, yeah. like materials you don't normally use for for miniature terrain That's building right. and make something exactly. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us about the bar. The bar, Joe. okay, yes. The bar was um, going back to YouTube. That diorama person I was talking about, he, um, he had some great details. I mean, I didn't incorporate all the details, like cupboards underneath. He didn't really, I couldn't really do that. Um, it, it was just, yeah, <laughs> that was just epic. That, but um, but the shape and 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 the yeah. way it looked in the movie and the reference books, I pretty much, I think I. I've got it on par. Um, I used to get this curve. Um, the bar's curved, as you know. I used um, protractor and all that sort of stuff. So it's pretty, pretty on par, as I say. So yeah, I guess yeah. I guess like one sort of like I guess like final question for me is like you know you talked about how like you've done all this like online research. If um you know aside from you being like an electrician and having you know like an interest in building stuff across your life. If someone was who had never built terrain before wanted to like start building, um, is there a like is there a resource that you could recommend, right? Like to sort of teach you some of the basics. Like, is there a good, you know, hobby sort of resource that you you're aware of yourself? Yeah, um, I've as starting five years ago, um, I've always said always liked building stuff, but I watched YouTube. There's some great terrain builders on YouTube. Um, which really they take the time and, and tell you what materials work with other materials and because we hate us hobbyists hate warping you know um, you, right. you put down you put mm-hmm. down your MDF mm-hmm. board and then 
you put some sand, glue on there, and then some sand, and then you come back, and it's it's just warped. We hate all that. So there's a lot of ways to avoid okay. stuff like that. But um, if you do watch YouTube and and type in terrain building, type in any anything you want to build for the tabletop, it's there. Yeah, yeah. YouTube is great a great resource. Um, yeah. Also, the community. I mean, there's heaps, heaps of guys and girls out there that, that build stuff i've seen and if everyone talks to each other share um share experiences share methods it, it's really it's really yep. good the uh the uh, legion terrain yeah. group on yeah, facebook right um it's a great facebook page yeah yeah i've got some um some great ideas uh on my projects uh, from there's there. also um uh, terrain sorry. tutor Terraniacs or something it's called on Facebook mm -hmm. and on uh -huh. yeah that, that's that's yep. great that that's got every genre sci-fi okay. everything okay. so oh, I have to check that yeah. out myself yeah so will I so Joe you know personally I, I've learned so much uh, about um, your craft you know learned so much more about your container yep. build through this interview um, and you know I've, I've watched uh, you you do this um, uh, previously. And I've still learned so much more um, today through this interview, and hopefully our listeners um, have yep. as well. Uh, before we let you go, uh, I believe you have some sort of special event uh, that you're going to be running yes, in a couple weeks. Yes, it's um, it's going to be um, it's a demo day, learn to play, come down and roll some dice day type thing um, at the Combat Company at yep. Mortal. I think you'll have the link for for, for Star, Star Wars, Wars Legion. Legion yeah. Yeah, and yep. I'm yep. going to bring okay. the cantina along. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, uh, if you can make it to Motel in uh, two weeks, I believe, on the 29th yep. of February, you can see this amazing cantina uh, in the flesh. That's right. Yep, with the music going and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I'm I sure wait. I'm sure we'll have like photos and videos of it in operation up on our Facebook page as well. So if you want to, yeah. you know, if, maybe if you're in the US and you're looking at the cost of flight and you're like, yeah, I don't know if I can get out to Motel in two weeks, like. <laughs> Maybe in a month, Maybe in a month. <laughs> I could do it, but two weeks, that's a, that's a bit tight. Yeah. Like, oh, a month you know. away as well. <laughs> yeah, well, so there you go. So, yes, we'll definitely have uh, videos and photos um, of Joe's Cantina, Joe Backer's Cantina yeah. on our Facebook page. Um, so we are we are Legion Podcast Facebook page. Yeah. So thank you, Joe. No problem. Mr. Joe Backer, uh, thank you for, for honouring us with mm -hmm. your presence as our first ever uh, thank you. Guest. Thank you for having me. It's um, it's it's an honor, really. You guys are great. I've listened to your first episode. It was fantastic. Thank oh, you. Free plug. Good answer. Good answer, Joe. We'll we'll have to have you back uh, for that comment. Yeah, no, I'm happy to. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Joe. Look, look forward to okay, the next time. Thank you. See you guys. Who's scruffy looking? So let's move on to the number two list, um, which is um, uh, which was piloted by Dean Richards. Uh, so, so Dean is a Kiwi. Um, he flew all the way uh, to Canberra uh, for uh, the tournament, and then he went 5-0 in the Swiss rounds. Uh, he just uh, took uh, Aussie names uh, all day long. So his list is uh, 11 activation rebel list. Um, it's 793 points, so a fairly large bit. Um, he got uh, Leia with commanding presence and uh, strict orders. Uh, Sabine with uh, just the recon intel, so no uh, dark saber there. 
Um, three uh, naked rebel troopers, uh, three sniper teams, uh, two tontons with uh, uh, tenacity and the cons jammer, and one tonton unit with tenacity and uh, HQ uplink. Uh, what do you think, guys? Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in first on this one. This is this for me. It's probably about one of the most on meta lists that we saw because as the guy that physically punched in all of the CanCon lists into Google Google Sheets so that Bush Facts over in the US, the, the data, the stats guy could could have all that data. Mm-hmm. This for me was probably the most on meta list uh, of of all 45 players in terms of like what's really popular sort of in the global TTS online sort of international player scape. Mm-hmm. It's a really, really strong, strong list. It's very, very efficient. You know, you've got 11 activations, which is just above the average. I would say 10 is about average, right? So you, you, you've got at least one activation on most lists. You've got mm-hmm. the ta- the triple taunts, which are so strong. Then you have some of the best command cards in the game through layers, one pip and Sabine's one pip. So it's just it's just really good. I think it's just a really yeah. good list. Yeah, layers it's, two pip supporting the tontons as well. Give that, them yeah, the, uh, extra exactly. move and extra dodge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know it. Yeah. Yeah, Jen, it's what do you more hyper aggressive than it looks. As well. so, with Sabine, her speed three, jump two, and gunslinger with a single rainbow, and I'm pretty sure her gun has Pierce. Pretty sure, um, Pierce one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it's it's rather disgusting to look at. The only <laughs> thing I would have added to it, and I I watched that final game that um, Revenge of the Swiss. <laughs> the only thing I would have added to it was Ike. Literally, the, like you can have Sabine without the dark saber. The dark saber is clearly there for her to get um, dauntless. Mm. It's not there for her to have a, a lightsaber. As mm. yeah, sure, she gets a cool blade wielder, but she doesn't have charge. So, I mean, effectively, she's Luke Light <laughs> with no charge yeah. when you give it to her. And twenty-five points is a big drop. Yeah, her. Mm-hmm. but the electro whip. Yeah, the to actually lock a unit down in place and then let the tontons charge into them. That's something that that list could have, um, and especially on the game that I watched, something that that list could have gone um, really heavily with. And I'm sure you could have found squeezed somewhere for some points just to give her that. Um, Because effectively, I I feel like even better than recon intel, if she has the ability to lock something down and that's her last, like that's the last part of her activation for a turn, for example. Mm Mm-hmm. She can then effectively be last first thing with shooting it, or she can be locking something down, letting everybody else shoot it. So it's it's a really good, and here's an example where it would actually have helped him. Uh, it's a really good anti bounty. Mm-hmm. So mm. uh, one of the situations where I saw was, and this is just looking at game five or game six for him. Bosk jumped through a building. Right. right. You mean so you mean Boba jumped with like the jump that, the jump great. keyword. Yeah, Bobby used the jump keyword to jump through the building. Right. And it was just one of those moments where it's like, if you had locked him down with that, he would not be able to have the speed three that he needs to jump through the building and would have had to have gone at speed one. Yeah. With with two suppression on him as well. So one action. So he's not getting there and therefore not killing Sabine. I think which changes that game entirely. I think the bit of I think the bit of trade off there personally was that uh the pro the the only like my, my only sort of counter I think I think it's always a bit difficult to dive specifically into like individual game moments 
but I will. No, but, mm. but I will say, so, you know, individual upgrades how they would apply to individual. Moments. But but that being said, in that sort of game example, the the my one counterpoint that I offer is that electro grappling line is itself an action, right? So yes, I don't know if it still would have. I don't know if it necessarily would have been able to make as big a difference because the whole point was. Yeah, anyway, I don't think we need to go specifically into like that final game, like that moment by moment. But I do think that in general that could have been probably a like a useful list. It gives you like good counterplay against uh, I, I would say especially against force users. It's really handy yeah. to have. I mean, if you look at uh look at the uh, new operative Luke, if he's only going sp- if he goes speed 0 and it's effectively you're right. It it is an action. It's not a free action. Yeah. But it's it's Bobber's one pip three times a game. Yeah, right. Or one pip when you need it while doing bombs as well. So, hey, look, I've locked you in place, thrown two bombs at you. I've jumped out of the way of these bombs. You can enjoy all of the bombs, then all of the all of the firing that comes in afterwards. Yeah. On whatever unit I want. Yeah, definitely. And I think actually that's like a really good point as well in terms of where it can be good. Um, I think it'd be hard to, to, to line up with bombs personally. I've, I've played Sabine a little bit just because often when you're dropping explosions, you're... You, you're using your first action to move, like to, to get into position, and then you're dropping the bombs, and then you're doing the free speed one move to get out. But there is a yeah. pretty dirty play in there where you could like electro grappling line to just give the whatever target two suppression, and then blow up the the bombs to give them that additional suppression. So like just really like suppression max out, you know, one target would be really interesting. Yeah. But it, and on on, yeah. on it, almost every unit that that basically neuters them. Yeah, uh, the two exceptions there, or three if you include General Vader, who just can't be suppressed. Yeah, but two exceptions there are um, Palp and Op Luke. Yes, Courage Four. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think in general, yeah, I definitely, I think especially now with the release of you know, like uh, during CanCon, Operative Vader and Operative Luke were were not available. So I think now, like post that, where like Operative, they're both available. And I would just say force users in general, you know, can be really present. I think that electro grappling line is maybe like a good switch out just because of the the, the play that it gives you against them. Just being able to be like, nope, your speed zero. Mm. I'm getting, I'm bugging out. Goodbye. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great points, guys. Uh, I'm just going to bring you back to yeah, Dean's list. So, you know, we, we obviously talk about some of its uh, strengths already, uh, which is, you know, obviously to get those triple tontons in there. Uh, Gessa being in there, um, you know, uh, face-to-face, knife-fighting range, getting to melee, uh, then, you know, bowl through, uh, bowl through a unit, give the suppression, charging to mm. the next unit, then you're engaging melee, you can't be shot at. Um, any any other strength we well, think Oh, so you go, Jam. I actually noticed that this is the only list in the top four with triple snipers. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think yeah. I think there is a bit of it's like both a strength and a weakness. I think that if I think the sniper is definitely being able to just sit there at range five, even though it's not range infinite anymore, but still range five, and just whittle units away with just just sitting there like yeah. aim, shoot, right? And you got the PS one, and then because you have three of those strike teams, I think that that can really add up, and that is mm-hmm. definitely a strength. And- the opponent's too busy dealing with the tauntauns to 100%. shoot back at the yeah, snipers. In, in most usually. times, yeah. yeah. 
um, and you know, and, and with uh, with uh, um, what's the word? Um, you know, when when you when you disrupt uh, enemy unit, when you charge mm. through them, um, you know, they can get out of cover um, and becomes really easy pickings for the uh, snipers. Yeah. I would say, I, I think what's really interesting with this list, if for me, is probably like where I would say this list weakness is. And I think that, um, you know, this is something that we saw in that Revenge of the Swiss. If those Tauntauns for me, if the Tauntauns go down and they haven't done enough, like it doesn't necessarily need to be they've killed enough mm -hmm. stuff, but like basically the, if they haven't disrupted enough, I think where this list really starts to like then have a lot of problems is that it doesn't have like a lot of chunk behind that those taunts. You know what I mean? You, mm -hmm. you just have the three mm -hmm. naked rebel troopers yeah. and the strike teams, really, which can really like evaporate yeah. very very quickly. We see this, I've seen mm -hmm. this a bit on TTS. Mm -hmm. So people love to run Op Luke triple tauntauns at the moment, where Op Luke can uh, he he is the meat of an army as well. So effectively, if your three tauntaun units mm -hmm. die. Luke then straps the entire game on the, on his back and tries to, to win it on his own. Mm. If you don't have something that mm. big or powerful, then it's always you generally going to fall down. You're going to falter, and you're going to falter faster than, say, clones losing Kenobi turn one or droids losing both commanders in turn two. Right. Because they're just mm -hmm. there's nothing mm -hmm. there to, to hold them in place, and then there's nothing there to, to bolster them when they get shot up. All right, so... Um, that's uh, that's Lean, uh, Dean's uh, uh, running up run up list at uh, KenCon. Um, so he obviously played it very very well to uh, go undefeated in the Swiss rounds and um, and uh, uh, finish uh, second place overall. Um, so let's move to now the number one list, the uh, the list that took took out uh, the the championship. Um, so Luke, um, can you tell us about uh, uh, Matthew's sure greatest can. list? Yeah, so for me, Matthew was rocking a really interesting list. Uh, you know, it's, it, it has been seen before, but uh, you know, I, I was really happily surprised to see it doing so well. So it's uh, Imper yeah, Imperial yeah. 799. It's got nine activations. So it's got General Veers with improvised orders, Boba Fett with Hunter and Emergency Stims, two Shore Trooper units with the T21B, mm -hmm. two mortars without relay. Uh, a naked IOG squad, mm -hmm. mm. and then two Death Trooper squads with the DLT and the Focus Fire Config. Yeah, that's a really interesting mix. I don't think I've ever seen a list like that before. Um, well, before before uh, Matt took it to Kencom. Yeah, so I mean, it has been like there has been like that sort of the the double the double Death Troopers and sort of this like big fat sort of you know core to an imperial list that, that has been around i think for me probably more personally like what from what i've seen anecdotally it's more common with krennic where you go like krennic to, two death mm -hmm. troopers yeah. and yeah, then stuff sure. to back it up but yeah but with veers yeah and definitely <laughs> yeah definitely a bit more off-brand uh for, for my mind he, he played yeah. very comfortably so i feel like that's probably why he went with veers having versed that list he didn't really know. I think he's been out of the loop for a while because, again, he didn't really know the two things about shorelines being that one, you throw a comms relay on them and then it's three orders, not two, or two orders to whatever you want with free aim, plus you know you you, you can guarantee what order's going to be in the bag by putting your shores back or your um, mortars back in the bag. But mm -hmm. that and mm -hmm. suppressive was uh, after the game we played when I actually shot him with a suppressive weapon, the first shot of the game, as it were, and I whiffed. 
and which you do three white dice you can you generally can roll blanks I rolled mm -hmm. blanks for days in that game as it was um and he went oh you know well, i don't even take any suppression and i turned around and i was like no 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 you definitely take at least one suppressive is still a keyword mm -hmm. not a not a you take a hit you get one it's you get one yeah. you get so, a second so from from that, I mean, it's it's even more amazing that um, you know he he was playing with a list with units he's not very familiar with, and he took out the whole tournament, you know. And I think the uh, second point is, you know, you don't have to be strictly on meta, you know. He didn't take comps relay for his mortars, you know. That's that's uh, just just so so contrary to the shoreline meta. Uh, you don't have to have to be you know 100% on meta to wing. Major tournament. No, but again, his list wasn't relying on the shoreline to do a shoreline thing. He yeah, was using, exactly. the using the mortars to do the cheap activation lift. That was definitely that was definitely the impression that mm -hmm. I got. And uh, yeah, I really like this list actually. I I mean, I'm a huge. I've always been a huge boat like Boba Fett fan. Um, similar, I think Boba mm -hmm. Fett and like regardless of whether it's Commander Luke or Operative Luke for me like for rebels does a similar thing there's sort of that that swiss army knife character for the faction where it's you kind of give them a mission and they'll probably have a way of doing it so i i you know mm -hmm. Bo boba i think mm -hmm. in, in particular has probably fallen out of favor a little bit in the imperial meta just because if you're going to slip a bounty hunter in it's normally boss because he's just that fair bit cheaper like if you compare you know boba fett in this list who is 158 to bosk in gems who's just 115 you know, that's an extra activation, right? Like, that's that mortar. But I think mm -hmm. Boba Fett mm -hmm. is, A, one, like, so much more survivable. And for me personally, just has a little bit more tricks up his sleeve with some of what his command cards can do. So it's really, it's mm -hmm. uh, like, I really love seeing him in a list. And I think to then back that up with two fat Imperial Death Trooper units um, and, like, I, like, you know, just have these big quality activations and then have less activations overall, I think mm -hmm. is a really exciting sort of design space to take this list. And obviously it worked out really well, right? You know, he won yeah. the whole damn thing. If he had beaten Dean first off instead of beating him second off, then I would have had to play the final. So that's that's effectively where it got to in the end. Yeah, so so what you're saying is, you know, he, he uh, won and lost in the wrong yeah. sequence. It's it's all... It, <laughs> or maybe he won and won and lost in the right sequence, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he, like, clearly, if you... so I think that's actually like a really interesting point that maybe we can talk about a little bit is the fact that so Dean and Matt played in the final round. They played in round five of the regular Swiss and Dean managed to get the win there. But then obviously Matt was the winner mm -hmm. overall. So he took out the, you know, the top two cut. And I think that for me is like a really interesting thing because anecdotally, I've never seen a player beat the river like to like it so we like it's called like revenge of the swiss and i've never seen like the loser in swiss not win in the cut and i think that's really fascinating right, right? like that, that, in, that in two games you can have you can flip the result and it's but, pretty light i, I yeah. look at that and i, I see like yeah. the logic behind it is straightforward you just played the list you know all the tricks so you know and you know how the person plays it so if you're watching the player and not what that's it's the old adage of um, watch the hands, not the, the cards. Right. If you're watching the player and you watch what they do, you play two games in a row, I'm going to say at least a good 50% of the time if, if we're not talking skill or, you know, actual list designers in, in play. So if, you know, if you've got a, if you're both equally matched in skill, equally matched on lists, 
which you, should, mm. you have to be at a competitive tournament because you only get 800 points. And the top, you know, crap, and you haven't just lucked away there. Mm. At least 50% of the time you win. But that extra knowledge, you then get to know whether or not your opponent something or not do something because you've just watched how they do it. And if you watch them struggle in the game the first time around, you know that doing it a second time, you're going to get there a lot easier. Yeah, so you know, Matthew obviously um, uh, took a, a lot of um, valuable lessons from the first game with Dean, and he used it to uh, good effect in the final. Um, I, I didn't witness fi the final, but I think you guys did. Um, so, so how 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 did uh, Matthew um, execute uh, that game? You know, how how did he get the W? So, I mean, I'll jump in if that's alright, Jem. So, what? So, for me, what it was, I think definitely. So Dean was obviously blue player with his his really big bid. And I think that was a very important aspect of his list, which is why I guess it wasn't something that we fully talked about when we were sitting there like, oh, yeah, backseat list driving, totally changed that up for electric grappling line. But I think that bid was super important, right? Because it meant that he was blue player. Yeah. He got to pick the board side. He got to pick, you know, using his battle deck, which I think obviously is the new, the new yeah. assets come out, will only get more and more important. But I think that probably really helped him yeah. because as a taunt, a taunt on player, it would have taken out a lot of the uncertainty of you know of certain cards coming up or not. But but from mm -hmm. my yeah, and I'll just mention that Matthew had seven ninety nine, so he only had one point bid um, and nine, nine iterations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we already mentioned that when we were going through it. But <laughs> so I, I think so. So I think. In terms of the like the matchup, there was definitely some really favorable things that happened in the turn zero for Matt. For for starters, if limited viz had come up in the the third slot, I think that would have been pretty tough. It didn't, which really helped him because mm -hmm. that meant that he could have his long range firepower kick in from the, the whole, for the whole game. And then I think the other big one was the fact that it was it ended up key positions and key positions mm -hmm. can I think for a Tauntaun player be a really weird one. It can be really easy to win because you can really push your opponent back and make it really difficult for them to get onto that middle point. But then what it sort of seemed like mm -hmm. is Matt intentionally, you know, he sort of hung back a little bit and he focused down the taunts as they came in. And I think Dean would be pretty comfortable saying they didn't do as much as he would have liked, as much disruption as he would have liked, mm. uh, or as for as long as he would have liked during that final. And then really what that... that that's surprising because he's got... Uh, his two activations up, um, so you know normally I would uh, expect his tontons to to make into melee without taking too much damage because you know they go first. Uh, yeah, go I mean, first. so that that's not how that's not how it unfolded. Um, you know whether or not that was like yeah. I think it was yeah. probably from memory it was a result of you know certain activation pulls at the wrong time, and yeah, and then mm -hmm. basically that allowed Matt to then sort of. You know, both players had really strong control of their home objectives. That was never really fully under threat. Um, and then what that allowed, mm. once the Tauntauns yeah. were pushed back, uh, were pushed back, that just allowed Matt to sort of just push up onto that center objective. And then because really the, you know, the rest of Dean's list isn't really that tough, he could just sort of wipe them off the board, yeah. you know, and just sort of be like, all right, I've got like four activations on this middle point you just you just can't hang tough with me because i got like a death like two death troopers up here and mm -hmm. you know yeah all that good and stuff de yeah. death troopers yeah. lovingly have that amazing i can walk and shoot my range four suppressive weapons which are not white dice um 
with their their configs. Mm-hmm. So you know, they can start the, the start the game off by going, "Oh, cool! Those tontons are at range four. I'm going to throw my T21B. Shut the flying overhead. Um, I'm going to throw my T21B into this unit, or their what are the? They've got the DLT twenties, don't they? Yeah, the yeah the DLT nineteen that they have. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll throw my DLT-19 into one unit of the Tontons at range four and throw a suppression on it and then throw my config into the other unit of the Tontons and put two suppression on it. When there's two units of that, you go Death Trooper, Death Trooper, or you aim to go Death Trooper, Death Trooper. Those two Tonton units that are coming Mm -hmm. in now have three suppressions, so they're one action each. If you don't pull them fast enough, you're Mm. doing that army. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good counter. All right, so we've uh, covered the uh, top four lists from KenCon, and we've uh, actually done a review of the final as well, so a bit of a bonus for you guys. We're going to wrap up uh, the show. It's been a long one. Um, we've um, uh, looked at um, uh, uh, Joe Backer's uh, amazing uh, container build. Uh, we've uh, obviously just done a deep dive into the uh, top four lists at uh, KenCon. Um, so we, we're going to be uh, back soon with uh, our third episode. Um, so signing off now is um, your host, Senior Exhaust Port Designer Fang, with my co-host. Support Officer Cooper. And Intel Officer Luke. Until our next episode, may all your roles be crits. If you like this podcast, please follow our Facebook page by searching We Are Legion Podcast. And subscribe to the show via your favourite podcast platform. Voiceover and post-production by General Kara Organa. This has been a Master of the Force production.